0: This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com Funding for Egedet Hachuva, the Epistle on Repentance, is provided by Isaac, son of Devorah Mindel. Lessons in Tanya the Tanya of Rabbi Schneur Zalman of Liadi Taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg
1: We are in chapter 12, page 1118. This is the conclusion of the third part of the Tanya. And earlier he explained that although King David said that his sin is always in front of him, kinegdi, but kinegdi doesn't mean in front, because if your sin would always be in front of you, it would always paralyze you. It would paralyze you, you know, if you were constantly uh, be reminded of your failings, it would cripple you. You would be too sad and dejected to move forward. And the essence of Judaism is we have to serve Hashem with joy. It's only when you're joyful, when you're uplifted, you have the energy to go forward. You're optimistic. You have the strength to go forth. But nevertheless, King David says, "And my sin and my failing, kinegdi. Kinegdi in Hebrew doesn't necessarily mean it's right in front of me. Kinegdi means it's distant." In other words, it's like in the background. It's like background noise. I keep it in front of me, I keep it before me, which always be in my awareness that I sin and I stumble. Why is that so important? Not, not only, and not only won't that paralyze you or cripple you or demoralize you, on the contrary, that will only enhance your joy. Because. Firstly, it will keep you humble. A person who was in the lion's den and survived, it's very easy to get to your head. You sinned, you, f- you stumbled, and it's almost like a-, a resurrection, a spiritual resurrection. And here you're back and wholesome once again. So it could get to your head. That's a tremendous success. The person who grew up in the straight and narrow has nothing on you. Because he never failed. He never stumbled. He never had a breakdown. So you really can't have a breakthrough. You've had a real breakthrough. You were all the way down and out. You already counted out. You counted yourself out. Completely divorced. Disconnected from anything spiritual and godly. And here, miraculously, you came out of... Default. And here you came roaring back and became a billion dollar company. Here you're back in business and you're spiritual and you're connected and you're wholesome. Reason enough to get to your head. But by keeping your sin in the background, keeping your failings in the background, keep you humble. Keep you grounded. Keep you real. Don't let your success get to you. That's one A and B. By remembering your failings at a distance. It will help you deal with adversity, with negativity. If someone insults you, don't get insulted. Realize that anything negative that happens to you is an atonement, is a cleansing. It's a sign that Hashem has actually welcomed you and embraced you. And because Hashem has welcomed you and embraced you, therefore, you need a cleansing. You know, you haven't taken a shower in a few years. You need a good, good scrubbing. A regular cleansing is not going to do it. You need a good cleansing. So only a merciful father who cares about his child who's who's baked with mud and dirt, Hashem says, I'm going to put you in the hot water and I'm going to scrape you off. I know it's going to be painful, but I'm only doing good because I care and I love you. And this is for your good. Someone you don't care about, let him, let him wallow in the mud. What do I care? Maybe I can add a little mud. To but to your own child? I'm going to allow you to have all this caked mud on you and, and it, could, it could actually, it's very dangerous. No, no. I'm going to clean you and scrub you and by the time I'm done, you're going to be smelling like a rose. So Hashem personally, out of his love for us. The child doesn't understand it. The child doesn't appreciate it. The child is yelling. It's hot. It hurts. And it hurts. And it is hot. But what's behind it? What's really going on? What's the inner dynamic? Hashem is really it's an act of love. So when a person remembers his sin, not only does it keep you humble, but it also helps you to face adversity. It helps you to face anything negative that happens in your life. But the reason is because Hashem is elevating you. Hashem is cleansing. Hashem is drawing you closer. The closer you get to the light, the, more, the cleaner you have to be. The, 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 and therefore Hashem has to get rid of any negativity. was really an act of love. So if a person forgets his humble beginnings and forgets his previous failures, then you won't be able to deal with adversity. Or it will demoralize you. Or you will feel sad. Hashem is picking on me what's going on. Why are all these negative things happening to me? But once you realize, as King David says, negative summit, my sin is always in the background. So Therefore, it puts everything in perspective. What's really going on? This is an act of love. because Hashem loves me. That's why this is happening to me. So this will increase the joy. This will enhance the joy. This will intensify the joy. And now he's going to explain that aspect. The idea that when a person receives adversity and pain and suffering, and he receives it joyfully, how that benefits, tremendously benefits the person.
0: The reason for joy in the suffering of the body is that it is a great and potent favor for the sinning soul to cleanse it in this world and to spare it from being soured in Gehenna.
1: So he says two things. Firstly, he says, it's a great favor and it's potent. Because he's talking about quantity and quality because the favor is both for the body and, and it is for the soul so the body is qualitatively different than the, the soul is qualitatively different than the body the favor that the suffering achieves for the body is nothing in comparison to the favor and the benefit that the soul derives from it that's why he says he breaks it down he says it's a good, great and it's potent favor It's potent for the soul of the one who sinned. And it's great for the body. By cleansing it in this world. That is an end in itself. Because when a person enters into this world, we enter into this world pure. We're like off the rack, clothes, freshly made, pure, totally innocent, never used, never touched. Every child is so pure, so innocent. That's why every child touches us so deeply. You see any child doesn't matter if they're black or red or white or yellow, your child, not your child it just evokes feelings of tenderness the whole world, the whole country was in shock, the little children they're so innocent, they're so pure how can you not love a child that's how we enter into this world the question is how do we leave this world we leave this world a rung a stained suit filled with rubbed out, but imagine a person leaves this world just like he enters this world, pure, innocent, so as a result of the, of the pain and suffering, the person leaves this world just like he enters, he's cleansed, wholesome, innocent, usually as you grow up you become jaded, you become cynical, You lose touch with your soul. You lose touch with your heart, you lose touch with your soul. You become alienated from yourself. You're exiled from yourself. Brilliant people. Sometimes the more brilliant they are, the more alienated they are from themselves. The more soulless they become, the more heartless, the more disconnected they become. Children are genuine. Children are lie detectors. But how many adults are lie detectors? How many adults are genuine? How many brilliant adults are genuine? It seems the more brilliant you are, the more... Clever and sophisticated and manipulative, it just, you, you, you don't, you lose that simple humility, genuineness, authenticity, reality. Like, just to be a grounded, real person. And to be able to leave this world, the ripe old age, with your purity intact, that's a tremendous favor for the soul. So that's one benefit, and that's one reason for all the the pain and the suffering. And then, another benefit is...
0: And to spare it from being scoured in the Gehenna.
1: The Gehenna, the idea of, of hell, which is a spiritual phenomenon, as he's going to say... The worst pain in this world is nothing in comparison to the pain that the soul experiences after 120. Because when you look back on your life, when you reach the world of truth, and your soul is, is truth, and you arrive at the world of truth, we live in the world of smoke and mirrors. Nothing is what it seems. Everything is deceptive. Everything is riddled with lies. When you come to the world of truth there are no defenses there are no rationalizations there's no excuses you just see the truth in its bluntness in its most raw state and there's nothing to shield or protect you from here we can't deal with truth so we, we protect ourselves we shield ourselves we, we create all sorts of defenses we don't want to hear the truth powerful people surround themselves by yes men they don't want to hear truth. They don't want honest feedback. They don't want people telling them like it is. They don't want to change. So they, 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 they just create this bubble. But after 120 years, all of that is stripped away. There's no baloney. It's 100, 1,000 percent truth. It's like uh, imagine this powerful light of truth shines, and there's nowhere to run, there's nowhere to hide. A person, the soul, when you review your life and you review the choices that you made, the embarrassment and the shame that the soul feels is, is is indescribable. It's worse than it's worse than the worst physical pain that we can imagine. A person who lived a good life has nothing to be ashamed of. Has nothing to be embarrassed of. Goes straight to the Garden of Eden. Goes straight basks in Hashem's infinite light and glory. But when a person accumulated a lot of negativity and negative behavior, negative speech and negative thought, negative attitude, it's like that stain. It's possible to restore that suit into its perfect condition, but it's going to take a lot of cleansing. It's going to take a lot of cleaning. You have a regular stain, you just send it to the cleaners and that's it. But if you have a real... You have, you, have to get, you have to send it to the specialist. And they really have to scrub it. And So this is all a parable of what the soul has to go through. It's a cleansing process. The Gehenna is a cleansing process in order for the soul to advance, for the soul to go forward, to move forward in its new life, to bask in the Hashem's infinite glory. As long as the soul is affected and stained with all these negativity and negative behavior, the soul simply has to be cleansed. And that's the idea of Gehenna. Gehenna is not a punishment. It's not that God is punishing a person. It's a cleansing process. It's the only way that a person could advance and go forward. It's like emotionally. If a person is an emotional child, if you've never dealt with certain issues, you'll be stuck in first grade. Jewish years are not measured by the passport. You could be a 90-year-old person, but you're still a kindergarten kid. Emotionally, psychologically, and spiritually. You never grew up. You never dealt with issues. Most people don't deal with issues. They run away from issues. They can't deal with it. It's too raw. It's too intense. It's too personal. It's too powerful. It's, they just can't deal with it. So you spend your whole life running away. Constant distraction. Constant escapism. 500 channels with nothing to watch. Because it's hard to deal with reality. To deal with reality, to have real relationships with people, you have, you have to be a real person. It's so much easier just to c- cut and run. It's difficult because you have to do the work. To really to go forward, you can't go forward. Just like physically, a child can't. Child, in order for a child to start walking, there's a whole process. A child doesn't start walking all of a sudden. First, the child has to crawl. It has to master crawling. And that develops a certain part of your brain. And if you skip one step, the whole, the whole thing collapses. You just can't go forward. That's one of the ways that they heal children with special needs. This was actually um, a whole school which was founded in Philadelphia. And what they did is they patterned, they they. they broke it down. They witnessed thousands and thousands of children and they broke down the steps. What does it take to get a baby to go from A to B to C to D? And then they train the child, the special needs child, and they go through all all these steps. Many, many hours they get the child to crawl. And that develops certain neurons in the brain which leads to the next step. And through this system, it's a very hard and tedious system, Children do it naturally, but unfortunately, a special needs child, you have to do it with them. And it's very, you have to be very patient and takes many hours and takes a long time. But by going through all the sequences, they were able to see miraculous results. The child was able to move on. But if you miss one step, you're stuck. You can't you can move forward. And that's not only true physically, it's also true spiritually and emotionally. Unless you do the emotional work, unless you work through the emotional issues, unless you deal with the issues, you're just going to beat around the bush. You're, just, you're not going to go forward. You know, No matter how many therapy sessions you're going to go to, unless you really deal with the real issues, and you go forward, and you change, nothing is going to change. Nothing is going to happen. And you're just stuck in neutral. And you can be 90 years old on your passport, but emotionally you're still a 5-year-old child that never grew up, is immature. You can't go forward. So you can't, in the world, how much more so in the world of truth, you can't graduate to Gan Eden. You can't move forward to the Garden of Eden and bask in Hashem's uh, uh, ray and, and glory and, the, and uh, godliness when you haven't done the work. When you're emotionally immature and ill equipped. And you haven't studied the Torah. You haven't done the mitzvah. You haven't. You haven't. You don't. You're stuck. And worse yet, maybe you went reverse your behavior and your thought and your speech and your action were completely the opposite, the antithesis of everything that's godly and good and wholesome and moral and ethical and spiritual and genuine and true and kind and good. Everything that you've, so that's a blockage. That won't allow you to go forward until it's dealt with. You have to deal with it. And if we don't deal with it in our lifetime, the soul has to move on. And it, it will be dealt with but it's very painful in heaven it's very painful because heaven is truth you know we can just imagine everyone has their skeletons in the closet imagine if tomorrow the media the whole entire world focused focused on you and brought out every sin that you ever did in your life it's the worst hell the worst hell you know, when these politicians have to go through it, and all of a sudden the whole world... I mean You don't wish it on your worst enemy. It's worse, the worst hell. There's nowhere to run, there's nowhere to hide. When that beam is focused on you, and the whole world is watching, and, and it knows everything that you did, and there's nowhere to run, nowhere to hide, it's the worst thing in the world. Multiply that a thousand times when you come to the world of truth. And the end, there's really nowhere to run and nowhere to hide. And there's no excuses, no rationalizations, and everything is exposed. And there's an intense focus on you and your life and how you lived and what you've done and the decisions you've made and your behavior and your thought. And there's no lies, no excuses, no stories. This is the world of truth. <laughs> stories, uh, you're in the wrong place. We can't even imagine the health, the pain, the anguish the shame. The embarrassment. And we create our own hell. No one did it to us. Just like we create our own paradise. It's the things that you've done. Your behavior. Your choices. The type of life that you've lived. That's the type of reality that you create. you create a, You lived a good life. You create a wonderful reality. If not, the opposite. So therefore... This suffering that we suffer in this world, the inconvenience that we, we, we experience in this world, is the greatest favor. It's the greatest kindness that Hashem is doing to us. Because if this suffering could substitute for Gehenna, it can cleanse us from Gehenna, we won't have to go through that experience of hell. Because the suffering in this world, as, is, as he's about to say, is nothing in comparison the worst suffering in this world is nothing in comparison to one moment of suffering spiritual anguish and suffering that the soul experiences after 120 in getting in hell so it's ultimately Hashem's kindness out of Hashem's love for us and His goodness and kindness that He's allowing us to substitute he says, go through a little in this world and it will you won't have to go through you won't have to go through that help. So this cleansing is actually a, it's for our benefit. So if we go through an inconvenience, or we go through something, anguish, or suffering, when the person remembers that it's really for my benefit, it's really for my good, then you can receive it joyfully. Now, we have to remember, we're only talking about our own suffering. God forbid to rejoice in anyone else's suffering. But God forbid to even justify anyone else's suffering. When another person suffers, we have to empathize with them. We're not allowed to justify the suffering. We have to empathize with the suffering. We have to do anything in our power to alleviate the suffering. We have to cry out to Hashem and pray that the person should stop suffering. Here we're talking about exclusively and specifically our own suffering. How we deal when we Suffer through an inconvenience or worse how we have to receive it with joy so King David says by constantly remembering my failings throughout my life as the background noise that allows me to receive anything that happens to me I realize it's for my benefit Hashem is cleansing me Hashem is elevating me it's for my own good and it's a tremendous good And therefore, I can receive it joyfully. It won't demoralize me, and it won't cripple me, and it won't paralyze me. On the contrary, I can go forward joyfully and confidently that I'm on the right path, and continue to do good, and continue to grow spiritually, and continue to go forward. Unfortunately, Jews are great experts on this subject. Because no one in the world has suffered like the Jews. But we were no strangers to the subject. And yet, yet, Jews are the most joyful people on the face of the earth. The most optimistic, the most positive, the most confident. After the Holocaust, the Jews had every right to bury themselves and to go to sleep for the next hundred years. They could have cried victim, victimization. They had every right. And what did the Jews do? Picked themselves up, rebuilt. Created the whole renaissance of Jewish life, remarried people whose wives and children were shot before their very eyes, went forward, created, built, did not become morose and angry and be consumed by their anger. And then and that's not the Jewish way. It's not the Jewish way. The Jewish way is we pick ourselves up. And we go forward and we live even deeper and more intensely. And now we have to live not only for ourselves, but for all our loved ones and intensify life and deepen life. The response to, to tragedy is deeper life, greater life, more life, more joy. This is the Jewish response. It's the only response that we know. So here we're talking about how you deal with our own personal agonies and trials and tribulations and to go forward joyfully. That it shouldn't get us down We shouldn't allow it to weigh us down to become depressed and, and angry And how could this be happening to me And that's not, that's not the Jewish way is to go forward and joyfully and receive it with joy and then you can keep your head up straight then you can think straight you have a clear head, you have a clear mind and you can go forward and when you receive it with joy ultimately Hashem helps that you the goodness emerges quickly also the negativity could uh, you can pass through the negative stage very quickly and move forward to the positive stage because you've extracted the core and the essence of the whole experience. The whole essence of this whole experience was for your good, out of Hashem's love, and it's only it's only gonna for your benefit, not only physically but also spiritually. And when you truly understand that, and truly get it and grasp it and sense it and experience it, that joy itself is tremendously beneficial. Receiving the trials and tribulations and the pain with joy is tremendously beneficial for your body and for your soul. In this world and in the next world, in the next life. This Is particularly true in these generations of ours when one cannot undertake all the fasts described in the penances of the Arizal, As mentioned earlier on in Chapter 3, fast imperative for the cleansing of the soul to rescue it from the cleansing of being another. We learned earlier there are ways that a person can cleanse his soul. Because don't forget, we don't live in a vacuum. Every negative behavior or negative thought or negative speech affects us. And affects us very deeply. So there are ways to cleanse us. But it's very involved. You have to fast. and It's a very involved cleansing. It's not for the timid. It's not for the average. And surely not in our generation. Because we don't have the strength. We don't have the stamina. We don't have the physical strength to fast. And if we don't have the strength, we're not allowed to. We have to be joyful. And that's the path for us. So therefore, what are we left with? How are we going to cleanse ourselves? We don't have the path that were open to our ancestors, because they fasted. First they had nothing to eat, so they fasted anyway, every Monday and Thursday. But it's not a path for us. So the only way to cleanse us is, we don't have the means, we don't have the tools with which to cleanse us. So if Hashem, out of His infinite mercy and infinite kindness, is, is doing the cleansing for us, is giving us a cleansing process. Those who go through a cleansing, those who had the stamina and the strength to go through these prescribed cleansings, as prescribed in the Kabbalah, all these fastings, and they felt spiritually, they felt like a million dollars. They really felt cleansed. Because otherwise, with all the accumulation of all this negativity, we become clogged. So it's like a computer. After using the computer for so many times, the computer becomes... All that junk that goes in becomes slower and slower. And then if it gets any slower, you're ready to climb the wall. But you can't... It's just by living life and just by going through life, especially when you add all the negativity and all the viruses that we add to the systems and all the negative behavior that we add to the system every time we tell a lie, every time we slander someone... It affects. It affects our system, and affects our system. Our soul is very sensitive. It registers. It has an impact. It creates a scar. It dulls us. It diminishes us. It harms us, and it hurts us. And and every day it keeps on that. It keeps on going. So at one point, we become completely clogged up. We're in danger of a heart attack. Hashem has to cleanse us Hashem has to like clear, clear the arteries clear the, clear the system get our blood pumping again we should be vital and vibrant and healthy and spiritually robust so when Hashem gives us these cleansings it's a cleansing that's what we have to realize all this pain and suffering it's a cleansing and it's for our benefit it's only out of love it's only because Hashem loves us and cares for us and it's for our own good and it spears us. Not only is it our own good in this world, but it spears us in the next world.
0: As Nachmanides writes in the introduction to his commentary on Job, that even the sufferings of Job for 70 years bear absolutely no comparison to the suffering of a soul for even one hour on Gehenna. The physical fire is but 160th of the fire of Gehenna.
1: Job, the one, the one who suffered more than anyone else in history. Everyone is familiar with the story of Job wealthiest, wisest beautiful daughters no sin pure, clean, good and in one moment he loses everything he loses his family loses his wealth he loses his health out of nowhere, from left field everything is taken away from him and Job has this whole dialogue with God how could this happen, why is this happening to me why do the righteous suffer what have I done How could such an injustice? So he says, Job suffered just for a year, and then ultimately everything was restored back to him. But Nachmanides says, if someone suffered the pain of Job for seventy years, consecutive years, can't even imagine what that means—the worst suffering imaginable for seventy consecutive years. It's not even doesn't even come close to one hour of the suffering of the soul experiences in hell after 120 years. The spiritual suffering of the soul is indescribable. We can't, we can't even imagine what that's like. As the Talmud says that the physical fire, the most painful thing, God forbid, physical fire, the pain of a physical fire is one-sixtieth of the pain of the spiritual fire. It's of It's off the charts. It's beyond our whole frame of reference. So by suffering in this world, if we can substitute a little inconvenience, a little anguish in this world, and it's it will spare us all that anguish of the of the in the afterlife of hell is the ultimate kindness. Now the question is that's what Al Treb is going to address now how could a little suffering in this world substitute for the suffering of the soul in Gehenna after 120 years there's no comparison how could you compare physical suffering in this world to the suffering in the afterlife so how can suffering in this world be a substitute for the suffering of Gehenna
0: it is only that this world is built by kindness for which reason through mild suffering in this world one is saved from severe judgment in the coming world
1: so he's saying something very very fundamental The difference between this world and the afterlife, the world of truth, this world is built on kindness. Heaven is built on strictness, on justice. Truth is brutally honest, brutal justice. There's no baloney, there's no excuses, there's no diplomacy, there's no rationalizations, there's no veering, there's no Madison Avenue hype. In heaven, it's as blunt as you get. It's as real as it gets. So it's based on gvur, on strength. Strictness. Justice. Truth. This world is based on kindness. Kindness. Diplomacy. Gentleness. Taking into consideration another person. And it's like light years apart. Because a person who's genuinely kind, essentially kind, of course, a person also has, even that person has justice in him, strictness in him. But even that person, when he gets angry, let's say you really made him mad, he gets angry. He loses his temper, he gets angry. His anger is nothing, because he's essentially a kind person. So even when he's angry because you did something outrageous, and even this kind person already crossed all red lines, and he just couldn't take it anymore, even that momentary burst of anger is very tempered, very limited. And even in his justice, he'll find ways to mitigate it and to act kindly. Versus a person who's essentially a judgmental person, a very strict person. His kindness on a good day, something normal, is worse than the kind person's anger. He's so strict, and he's so exacting, and he's so demanding, and he so won't excuse anything. The slightest deviation is too much already. And he'll punish you to the nth degree for that slightest deviation. Let alone if you did something outrageous. Oh, you forget about it. (laughs) So you can't compare so too, this world is based on kindness. This whole world is based on kindness. See, even when Hashem is judging us, and Hashem is being strict with us, and He's judging us, and He's He's cleansing us, it's with kindness. It's gentle. Versus in the other world, in the world of truth, dear, there's no gentleness. There's, there's There's no gentleness. There, it's rough, it's brutal, it's honesty to the umpteenth degree. That light is shining on you. And, the, and there, there's no room for mercy, and there's no room for. You want to know what cruelty is? It's when these newspapers go after a person. They talk about cruelty, not a shred of kindness. They rip a person apart, they don't care about anything. Nothing will get in their way for a juicy story. They'll destroy the person, destroy his family, destroy him. Come up with every hint of a sin that the person never did in his life. With his cruelty, there's no, there's, no, there's no mercy there. It's, but that's cruelty. In heaven there's no cruelty. Heaven is just a place of truth. It's the world of truth. The world of truth. There's, there's, no, it's, it's, there's no room for kindness. It's, it's reality. It is what it is. This is the truth. This is the reality. Here's the mirror. Face the facts. No one here is making excuses for you, and no one is rationalizing, and no one is. This is the reality, the stark reality. It is what it is. And that's that's too intense. It's just too painful. It's just too intense. We can't handle it especially after living a whole life of lies. Most people go through their whole life lying. Lying to themselves, lying to everyone around them. Suddenly you come from a world of lies. After living 120 years of lies, you come to the world of brutal truth. It's it's a shock. It's a shock to the system. You can't handle it. You're not used to it. A person who lived his whole life, a genuine life, and constantly examined himself, and did soul-searching, and lived a life of integrity, that person, the world of truth, he's been living his whole life truth. He welcomes it. He feels like a fish in water. He feels at home. But a person who's been living a life where his whole life has been excusing himself, and, and rationalizing, and running away, and not dealing with reality, and not dealing with truth, and denying that there is even a truth, which is our generation, Suddenly you come to the world of truth. It's it's, it's brutal. It's agonizing. So if Hashem is going to substitute that severity, that stringency, that strictness for this world of kindness, even the strictness of this world of kindness is also with kindness. And therefore, it's the greatest good for our greatest greater is the greatest benefit for us a little inconvenience in this world a little suffering in this world will substitute and make up for too much suffering in the other world so this cleansing will achieve and could substitute the same thing that the Gehenna would have achieved and therefore we don't need the Gehenna it could substitute so what a kindness if we can avoid the Gehenna by suffering in this world the greatest kindness that Hashem is doing to us to our soul
0: this is analogous to the movement of a shadow on earth of a ham's breath which equals the sun's movement in the sky of thousands of miles i.e. the sun's movement of thousands of miles causes a corresponding movement of the human right.
1: shadow sun clock the, with the sun, the shadow moves a drop that means in heaven the sun has moved millions of miles But the effect in this world is just a tiny drop. So, so too, a little suffering in this world, a little inconvenience in this world is the equivalent of a huge amount in the other world. It's totally not commensurate. But one can substitute for the other, one makes up for the other. A little movement in this world is the equivalent of a huge movement in the upper world. So the smallest, slightest thing that we have, the slightest inconvenience of pain that we've experienced in this world is a substitute and the equivalent of of a huge, vast amount of suffering that the soul would have had to suffer in the other world. But now that the soul had this experience, it doesn't need that anymore. It's already cleansed. So a little cleansing in this world is the equivalent of a huge cleansing in the upper world.
0: Infinitely more so is this true in the parallel, in the descent of the worlds from level to level, from the most exalted heights until this physical world. The analogy may be understood as follows. Any event that transpires in this world results from a parallel, but far more ethereal event that previously took place in a spiritually exalted world. Thus, the effect of an event in this physical world is much greater than those lofty worlds.
1: You use an analogy, uh, the, the scientists, the NASA scientists are sitting in Houston, and he presses a button. That's all he does. He presses a button, and what happens? Millions of miles away, the uh, the space spacecraft or the satellite or it, right is on Mars is moving, and press a little button. But the effect that it has on on the higher worlds are way beyond, not commensurate, the amount of effort that you have done in this world. So, because everything is connected. It's like a chain. It's a chain reaction. By your little movement in this world, we achieve so much, and it has an impact on all the realms and all the worlds that precedes it. Because it's all connected.
0: We see this in the teachings of the Zohar on the elevation of the higher worlds. As a result of the spiritual arousal initiated by the below, through his offerings of one fowl or dog or pigeon or a handful of meal for the altar. Hazoma so teaches that offering but one such representative creature from the animal world or but one such representative item from the vegetative world elevates all the spiritual realm
1: He's saying that by offering the sacrifices in the temple it affects the cause. We are the effect. But there's a previous cause. There's a parallel universe. There's a parallel reality. A spiritual reality. So anything that happens on our plane, on the material, on the physical plane, is like a symptom. The tip of the iceberg of what's happening on the higher realms. So by us affecting change in this world, by us offering a sacrifice in this world, we elevate the souls of the angels, which, which is the spiritual parallel of the bird that's being offered. The animal realm the animals that are being offered as a sacrifice, what's the parallel of animals in the upper worlds? Those are the angels. And by us offering a sacrifice in this world, we impact and affect. All of the angels are elevated. Through this elevation, through this mitzvah, the whole upper realms and higher levels of consciousness and the spiritual angels and angelic beings are elevated and connected to the infinite, to Hashem. All as a result of our actions in this world. Because it's all connected. And we are the effect and they are the cause like a chain reaction and by us tugging at our end of the chain it affects and impacts everything that preceded so we don't live in a vacuum everything that we do has an effect and the effect is beyond it's not commensurate to our action we take a little action and the impact is beyond anything we can imagine so yes we are living in the lowest world the last world But it also means that we affect everything that precedes us. And as we go back, as we go to the higher realms, the parallel levels of the universe, the impact is greater and greater and greater. So our tiny action in this world creates waves, has such a wave effect on everything that precedes us. And the impact is huge. It's like the waves keep on growing larger and larger, the effect and the impact and the influence keeps on getting larger and larger the deeper, the more you go back into the higher realms so therefore the same is also anything that we experience in our life any inconvenience, pain, suffering we experience the, the impact that it has the cleansing that it has on our soul is beyond our imagination the positive effect that it has on us and in our, our soul and in the afterlife the soul will not have to go through hell because the soul already achieved that cleansing through this inconvenience that we had in this world or, or suffering we had in this world so therefore it's for our benefit because here with one little dose or one little measure we can substitute a huge amount that the soul would have to go through a huge amount of cleansing that the soul would have to go through but really for our own benefit pleasure, which enables us to receive it joyfully. Without becoming demoralized. Such
0: are the effects of all the commandments requiring practice performance as known from the Arizona. Mitzvah performed in this world with physical objects such as fixes made of wool or the passages of the fulfilling written on Set up far-reaching reverberations in the exalted spiritual
1: world. See, here we do a mitzvah. We take parchment, the leather hide of an animal, and we turn it into a mitzvah, into a holy object. And by us physically putting on the tfilin, we affect the supernal realms, we affect the angelic beings, we affect the whole universe. Through our little deed in this world, we put a mezuzah in our door, we put on tfilin. And the effect and the impact, the ripple effect, is beyond anything we can imagine. All as a result of our little action in this world. So it's not just symbolic. We don't just do a mitzvah. mitzvah is not just a symbol, a ritual, a custom. The mitzvah that we're doing, actually, something very real is happening. Not just in our realm. All all of the parallel universes, all of the realms of existence and all of reality is affected. And even God's supernal being is affected through our behavior. To the small things that we do, the physical things, the tangible things that we do. That's the connection between the physical and the spiritual. They're so connected that everything that we do has an impact, an effect. It's not commensurate to the action. What do we do? A little action. And this little candle that we lit lit up the whole universe. This little mitzvah that we do has the ability to transform human consciousness. What did I do? I did a little mitzvah. But this little mitzvah creates such a ripple effect, has such a powerful effect, not only in this whole world, in the higher worlds and all the preceding worlds. So you see the connection between the material and the spiritual. And it's not commensurate.
0: This too is our sages comment on the verse, sanctify yourself and you shall be holy. Man sanctifies himself only a little. That is, the Rebbe Shlita in quantity below, and he becomes sanctified in great measure from above.
1: The verse seems to repeat itself. To repeat itself. You should be holy, and you should be holy. Sanctify yourself, you should be holy. So the Talmud says, you sanctify yourself a little in this world. And by sanctifying ourselves a little in this world, Hashem will make us holy with much holiness, even if it's only a little holy. Holiness here means, the word, literal definition of holiness means separate. It's by living with the spirit of the law, not just the law. A person could live by the law and be a scoundrel. You can follow everything, every technical detail, and no one can take you to court because you've technically followed, done everything that's right, but you're not living by the spirit of the law, you're not refined. Hashem gave us so many mitzvot, but there's a spirit behind the mitzvah. Love your, love your fellow like yourself. Be, be a kind person. Not everything could be spelled out. Not everything has to be spelled out. But there's the spirit of the law. A person could technically follow all the mitzvah, but he's heartless, soulless, a scoundrel, egomaniac. This, the Torah did not refine him, elevate him, improve him. So he's missing the whole point. So when the Torah says there's a mitzvah to be holy, not just the law, but go beyond the letter of the law. Be holy. Act holy. Act refined. Act with dignity. Act in a restrained way. Control your appetites. Even things that are permitted. Not everything that's permitted has to be indulgent. Don't live a life of indulgence. You can live a glad kosher life, but you live a life of indulgence. That's not holy. But I'm eating glot kosher. Yeah, but, you, but you're living like a pig. Glad kosher one. <laughs> but, but that's not That's not holy. Being a holy person means being internally refined. Not living a life of indulgence. Even things that are permitted, not everything, you know, a little impulse control. Not everything that I want, every urge, every instinct has to be followed. There's a spirit. What do you live your life for? What's your life all about? How do you define yourself? You live for spirituality, for godliness? Or your life is all about ego and self? And, but in the kosher way. <laughs> Even the glatt kosher way. So that's the mitzvah of being holy. And the Torah says if a person will try to be holy, even a little, even a little effort, a slightest effort, even lifting up your pinky, just trying, making the effort, going beyond your nature, pushing yourself, just trying to become a little better, Hashem will shower you with holiness that's way beyond your effort. Is kadashtim? You you even making that little movement, that slight movement forward, you're trying to be holy. Hashem promises a Yisim condition, you will be holy, because I will shower you and rain you with my holiness in abundance. Even though all you've done is lifted your pinky. it's all God wants. All Hashem asks. All Hashem asks is, make me an opening, like a needle. And I will open the doors wide. Like the ulam, the hall that led into the temple, which was 60 feet wide. A needle hole. But it has to be a needle hole. It has to be through and through. It has to be genuine. All I ask you is lift your pinky. Try. But be genuine. And I'll do the rest. Try to be holy and I will already give you such levels of holiness that's way beyond your effort. It's not even commensurate here. So again, all these examples we see that it's, it's not, totally not commensurate. What Hashem is asking us in this world, He's asking us to lift our pinkies. He's asking us just to be a little sincere. Be a little genuine. Just do the mitzvah. So simple. Just do it. Do the deed. Do the action. And you can't imagine the repercussions of this mitzvah. Just elevate yourself a little. Go beyond your nature. Just a little a little effort, a little exertion, a little genuineness, a little sincerity, a little honesty, a little integrity, just a little. That's all he's asking. And the result will be far beyond your imagination.
0: This, that it was thus noted above in reference to the phrase, who sanctifies us with his commandments, that Israel's sanctification of the is bound up with the infinite light force that encompasses and transcends all worlds. Thus, the physical performance of the divine commandment in this world draws down upon an individual holiness not only from the most lofty spiritual world but also from the degree of godliness that transcends world.
1: So by us doing the physical commandment, lighting the candle, doing the mitzvah, simple mitzvah, we draw down God's holiness. He sanctified us with His holiness. What's the definition of holy? Separate, apart. God's transcendence. God's transcendent self. Because God transcends the whole universe and the whole frame of reference of the universe. So it's not only that when we... Compare ourselves, and we do a mitzvah, we draw down a higher level of godliness, but one that's within the framework of of the world. We draw down God's transcendent self, God's holiness. So there's no comparison. You can't compare. God's transcendent self, God's transcendent level of holiness, His infinite self, it doesn't compare. It's qualitatively different than anything, higher levels of consciousness, anything that we can possibly imagine. And all of it is is as a result of our mitzvah. So when we do a mitzvah, God interacts, and what we get in return is something that's totally not commensurate, Our effort It's way beyond our... And now he comes to the punchline. Precisely so, continue.
0: Precisely so is it in reference to reward and punishment? The reward for the performance of the mitzvah infinitely surpasses the physical being itself. The punishment as well suffered by an individual in this world for sins substitutes for a far greater measure of punishment that the person would have undergone that have been meted out in the coming world.
1: So just like it works in the positive sense the result of the mitzvah the reward of the mitzvah the consequence of the mitzvah surpasses the amount of effort that we do in doing the mitzvah so too the consequence of any inconvenience that we physically suffer through. The cleansing that we achieve is totally not commensurate to what we've experienced. It's such a huge amount of cleansing and the soul is elevated as a result way beyond that there's no comparison. And therefore it's the ultimate kindness that Hashem does to us that He substitutes instead of the soul suffering 'Cause it says a Russia wicked person has to go to Gehenna, to hell for twelve months. If Nahmandri says a one hour of hell is worse than Job. Imagine the suffering of Job for seventy years is nothing in comparison to one hour of hell. Imagine a year of hell. How many hours are there in a year? <laughs> Too many. So imagine the little suffering we go through in this world and it cleanses us, wipes the slate clean, it cleanses our soul, it heals our soul, it allows the soul to advance, to go forward. Because the soul cannot go forward unless it deals with all its issues. And when a person has to suffer in this world and your ego is broken and your heart is broken and therefore you're able to mature, you're able to grow up, you're able to move forward, you're able to deal with your issues, you're able to grow, to take a leap forward. And to go to the next level. To be able to do that after, in the afterlife, if you, you leave this world and you're an emotional wreck, an emotional child, and immature, and spiritually, and emotionally, and psychologically, to get you to move forward in the afterlife, wait, 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 wait. it's too much. You need a year of Gehenna to cleanse the suit, to, to bring it back to its pristine level, in order that the soul should be able to advance, and be able to go forward and, and go... And bask in Hashem's light and move forward. We have to go forward. Life is movement. You can't, you can't remain stagnant. You now, When you're climbing a mountain, you have one choice. Either you continue to climb or you're going to fall. You can't take a break. You can't suddenly stop and I'm stopping in the middle of a mountain. When you're climbing a cliff, there's no stopping. Either you go forward or you fall. Life is movement. When the soul, after 120 years, the soul moves. The soul continues to move. There's no... You, The universe is moving. So if you haven't grown up, if you haven't dealt with any issues in your lifetime, and you haven't moved forward, and you haven't matured, you may have been very powerful in your lifetime, and been a billionaire, but you surrounded yourself with yes-men, you never grew up, you never had to grow up, you never had to deal with any of your spiritual issues, emotional issues, you're still a little baby. The soul still has to go forward. You're going to have to go through that cleansing process. But to go through that cleansing process, 12 months of Gehenim, which each hour is worse than... Imagine Job's the worst suffering imaginable in this world for 70 years straight. One hour in Gehenim is worse than that. You have to go through 12 months of that just to be able to work out all the knots and work out all the kinks and to scrub you clean and to allow you to go forward. It's, it's too much. So Hashem is infinite mercy. When a person has a little suffering in this world, it's it's, it's the equivalent, one little suffering in this world is the equivalent of huge amounts of cleansing that the soul would have to go through after 120 years. So this is the greatest favor for the soul. And then the soul can go straight to straight to Ganaden. 120, the soul is already cleansed, the soul is matured, the soul is grown up, the soul has worked through all the issues. And now the soul is ready to bask, to go move on to its eternal reward basks Hashem's ray and to move to live to grow continue life in the afterlife so this is the ultimate kindness and therefore you receive it with joy Hashem is not out to get us this is, this is it's for my own benefit so that's why King David said it's important for me to always have my failings in the background at a distance not the right in front of me because then it would cripple me and demoralize me and that's not the point Point is we have to be joyful, we have to be optimistic, we have to be confident, we have to go forward. We have to feel good about life, we have to feel good about ourselves. Otherwise you can't move forward, otherwise you become depressed. And if you're depressed, you're paralyzed, you can't move. That's not the way. You have, must be joyful and you are joyful. But in the background, and that will enhance the joy. Because now, any sling that life has to offer, anything that's thrown at me, I realize, hey, it's, it's, it's for my benefit, it's, it's a cleansing for that failure for that misbehavior that I had in the past. So therefore, I receive it with joy. And the receiving it with joy facilitates, helps cleansing, helps the cleansing process. And to fast forward it and to move it forward. And then ultimately, once you receive it with joy, ultimately to minimize it and to get rid of it. All the goodness could emerge. You don't need it anymore. Once you get the message, you don't need any of that suffering anymore. God forbid, it's never an end in itself. It's just a cleansing process. And once you cleanse, it's completely, completely not necessary. And we give the honor to Kalman to finish the third part of Tanya. You Kalman went through Tanya how many times? You lost count already. 30 years he's been studying Tanya, faithfully, every single week. So Kalman, you get the honor of concluding the Tanya in honor of the 200th yard side of Al Alter Rebbe. This is the Tanya that Alter Rebbe finished in his lifetime.
0: As our sages say, the reward of a mitzvah is the mitzvah. The reward is the spiritual illumination that is drawn down through the fulfillment of the mitzvah itself. As discussed elsewhere, since it has just been explained that the performance of a mitzvah draws down as a reward divine illumination that utterly transcends all worlds, it follows that the reward for the mitzvah In the loftier spiritual world is infinitely higher than the physical action performed here below.
1: If it's a reward, then Mm. it's much higher, it's much greater than the mitzvah itself. Because the mitzvah itself, I did a deed, I did an action, it's a small little thing. But this small little thing has such a ripple effect, creates such waves, has such powerful implications and consequences that you create your own reward. The mitzvah creates your own reward. You create your own reality. People create hell on earth. People create paradise on earth. We create our own realities. We create our own environment. The type of life that you live, the choices that you make, the behavior, the way you think even, the way you speak, your attitude. If you're joyful, you create a whole different reality. If you're morose and depressed, you create a whole different reality. You get stuck, you get paralyzed, you go backwards. If you're joyful... Be able to create a whole different reality and move in a whole different direction. And it breaks through all boundaries. And all new paths open up before you. So so the reward of the mitzvah is the mitzvah itself. But the reward is so much greater. This little mitzvah has such consequences. And also the the sin, the punishment of the sin is the sin itself. When you do a sin, it also creates a scar. In your soul, in the universe, in the supernal being, in Hashem. It harms and damages the whole universe. And therefore it needs a tremendous cleansing. But the choice is, better to do everything in this world. Because this world, it's tiny measures, and tiny measures, just like the sun. You take one little movement in this world, and the effect is the suns moves millions of miles. So one little cleansing in this world, and your soul has been cleansed in a tremendous way so it's all it's all a world of kindness this is what it means ultimately this world is a world of kindness because even the suffering is kindness it's kindness Hashem is is cleansing our soul Hashem is cleansing us and helping us grow and helping us mature because listen many people choose to remain babies emotionally psychologically spiritually and you know at the end of the day, there are consequences. You can't, you can't, The soul has to move on. Just because you chose to live like a baby and, and live a life without any responsibility, it doesn't change the facts. It doesn't change the reality. The soul is for real. And the soul is hurting, and the soul is in pain, and the soul has to move forward. The soul has to grow up. The soul has to advance. And we will advance, one way or the other that's the whole idea of the cleansing process we're going to advance whether we want to whether we like it or not the soul is going to move forward but we have a choice we can advance in a healthy way in a wholesome way but we're going to learn the lessons that we need to learn away we can learn it in a good way if we choose we're going to learn it in the school of hard knocks the lessons will get through because there's a reality life is real and there are facts and there are realities, and all the political correctness and all of that, you can't change realities. You want to live a life of self delusions, massive self delusions, communal self delusions, individual self delusions, familial self delusions. It's your choice, but it doesn't change the realities. Realities remain realities, and ultimately, realities have to be dealt with and confronted. And you have to move on. And you have to move forward. And one way or the other, we're going to move forward, and we're going to have to confront it, and we're going to have to deal with it. <clears throat> but it's a much less painful way if we confront it here and now, in this world, now, immediate. We get away with it, a gentle, a gentle reminder, maybe a gentle pat and Gentle, just just wake up, get real, grow up. You're not a baby anymore. Come on. You're not. Life is not games. Come on. It's time. Time to take charge. Time to take responsibility. Time to grow up. Be a real person. And enjoy life. Because when you grow up and you, life is real, if life is one big video game, and you can do as you please, and you can crash to anyone, and pick yourself up and try again, why not? If your kids play, they're crashing over policemen, they're smashing into cars, they, they get smashed up. It's just a game. You start all over again. Well, that's how most people live their lives today. Just a video game. It's meaningless. No consequences. Live as you please. Do what you want. Whatever makes you happy. Who cares? Nothing matters. It's all a joke. It's all a game. In real life, if you scratch someone's car, you get bald. You're not going to the end of it. But one. But it's real. What would you prefer? Living a life of delusions. That's the worst hell. That is hell. Living a life of let's pretend. After a while, it grows very tiring. It's like chewing gum. Yeah, it tastes good for a second, then you spit it out. There's nothing there. There's no reality. Yes, okay, there's no consequences. I can get away with murder. I can do as I please. That's the worst hell. Because it's meaningless. It's nihilistic. Nothing means anything. What's the point? Who cares? Why am I here? What difference does I make? Will anyone... what's, What's it all about? But when you live a life of reality, you're for real. Your life is for real. Everything that you think and everything that you say and everything that you do is for real. All seven billion people. Everything that we do matters, and there are consequences. Yes, that's a life of responsibility, but it's a meaningful life. That's a real life. That's much more exciting and much more interesting and much more than 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 a delusional life. So ultimately, life is for real, and we have to deal with reality. And the quicker we deal with reality, and better we deal with reality in the here and now in this world, then we have to face reality. And now we conclude.
0: This knowledge is elementary to discerning, and those with intelligence in this matter will discover good.
1: Thank you. I can't believe we live that we're able to learn all three parts of the Tanya and to record it. This class is part of the
0: Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsinTanya.com